you know, we've had several times where it, it things were not like perfect. Things were rough and you're kind of wondering what's coming next, you know, but I finally, I had a moment, it was about two years ago where my wife and I were driving and I still remember it clearly. She, with the car was quiet. We weren't saying anything to each other. You know, we, we weren't mad. It was just, you know, it was just a quiet moment. And she turned to me and she said, you know, babe, you're doing well. Dude, I mean, <laughs> when she said that, I was kind of like, okay, okay. You know, because, she, you know, we, we've had, we've had moments, man. We've had moments. And it was that moment where I knew talk. that, that she was with me, like on this, it wasn't always going to be like enjoyable for us, but, but she was with me, you know? And so that's, that, that's important, man. Welcome to the Water Word Podcast. My guest today is Robert Kennedy III. He's a leadership communication expert, international keynote speaker, corporate trainer, and best-selling author. For the past 10 years, RK3, as he's also known, has spoken for and worked with some of the world's largest companies, associations, government, and faith-based organizations as well. Notable clients include AARP, Social Security Administration, Comscore, U.S. Coast Guard, and many others. Please help me welcome Robert Kennedy III to the What A Word podcast. What's happening, brother? Good to have you, man. Welcome, welcome. Yes, sir. So, Bobby, I like to pretend when I start out that the guest is a stranger to me and my research <laughs> team helped me to find them and I'm going to learn everything about them. But the truth is you and I are actually friends. Golly, it's been a minute. I don't, how, do we want to tell them how long it's been? Well, I have a landmark and the landmark is, did you ever have lunch with an individual with Take Six being the album at that time? Wow. And I, I dare say you and I, I have had lunch with wow. when Take Six re released their first album. And we were friends even before then. Wow. Yeah. So I'm, that's, that's, that's like 80 something, man, ain't it? For sure. For Golly. sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. But since that time, you've had tremend a tremendous influence on me and many others. And in fact, in wow. the social media space, I think many people look to you for life coaching. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, daily words of inspiration. You're transparent. You engage all spaces. And yeah. um, it's a good way to start off our conversation because I want to take you back to something you posted mm. in December of 2019. So you said, I share this snapshot. You were talking about the previous five years of your professional and personal life. Uh -huh. And you say, I share this snapshot because although 2020 might feel like a really neat number, it's still going to be a struggle for some of you. Wow. So I want to ask you, do you have anything to say about 2021? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I mean, these, these things are just numbers, man. Uh, I mean, we, we, we live day to day. We live every day. And I know it feels really good when December 31st comes to say, yeah, new year, new me, I'm going to do all these different things. And um, to be honest, a lot of times we set up these false boundaries for ourselves, 
almost giving ourselves excuses not to be better tomorrow, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll do it next month because it's, it's, it's neat. Today's Wednesday. I can't make changes today. Let's start on Sunday so I can keep track of it more easily. And, you know, I, I'll know when I reach day seven. Let's start on the first. And the truth is, man, we, we want to change. We want to get better. You've got to take advantage of the moment. As that movie that Robin Williams was in, Dead Poet Society, Seize the Day. Take it, do it right now. You may not be able to conquer everything, but make one small shift right now. Make one small decision right now because that's what life's made up of. Life is made up of a series of small decisions that culminate in, in, in a larger result. So Good I don't know point. if that answered your 2021 question, but. Good point, because go I, I, I think we both agree that we never imagined we'd be in this place in 2020. We got no control over this, man. We, no we, we're, we're just in this thing called life. And all you have control over is uh, the decisions that you make and how you respond to the world around you. So that's it, man. You just make the best of it and go. You obviously have um, found your passion. And I say that because I've watched you engage people. I've watched some of your corporate presentations, well, mm -hmm. the, the, the clips that you've shared. Right. And you seem to have found your passion. I imagine this keeps you up at night and gets you up early in the morning. Oh, yeah. But I, I mean, want to... <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I love what I do, man. I, I do. I want to track your your growth from where you were to this place, because I'm familiar with the long version of your life. Yes. So I knew that you were at one point teaching the sciences. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I taught uh, middle school English for one year, and then I taught physics and biology for seven years in high school. And then I was an online college faculty in a biology department for two years. So 10 years in, in, the, in the classroom, man. And from there, moved into the instructional design industry, developing courses online for corporations. And, you know, there's a long story behind that. It, I, I, I didn't go there intentionally. <laughs> I just, I, I, I lost my job. Um, and we kind of knew, it's one of those things where you know that there's some changes coming. You just don't know when they're happening. And it just happened to come 10 days after we moved from the state of Massachusetts to Maryland. I lost my job 10 days. You know, and you know you make the transition with the plan of having this extra income and you, you, know, you get a house and you get, you know, et cetera. And I had three kids under the age of five at the time. And so you know, I was doing the regular things, putting out resumes and all sorts of th things and getting no answers, man. And I ultimately decided to just see what I could get my hands on. And I was messing around or dabbling in the world of e-learning at the time. And I just got a few different contracts that way. And I just kind of look at it as a, as a spiritual thing, man. I mean, I, I think there's always been the entrepreneurial spirit in, inside of me. Even when I was teaching, I started two businesses. And I, I don't know if you remember this, but when I was teaching, I had this online website, k3music.com, where I would interview Correct. gospel artists and all Correct. of that. And um, that came out of me having a conversation with my wife. And she was like, bro, you're spending too much money on CDs. <laughs> so I had to figure out a way to get free CDs, man. And so I started a business <laughs> because of that. Uh, and that developed into a web development business as well. And 
So I'd had, I'd, I'd had this entrepreneurial spirit, but I had the safety net of my, my day job. And so when I got let go, for me, that's kind of like God saying, yeah, I, I need you to trust me. Yeah, you can send out 49,000 resumes and I'm not going to let you get a one response because I need you to trust me right now. And so, yeah, so I moved into the, into the world of online learning, uh, started a company doing that and uh, made some decisions. Some of them were good. Some of them were bad. That company blew up and then I started to get back into training and, you know, it, I, I kind of end back up in the teaching realm to some degree, but I'm teaching corporations now. And so I, I started training and that training developed into speaking. And so right now I have a training company, Kinetic Communications, and we work with organizations on leadership communication. So that's the, that's the journey, man. And I want to touch on something you highlighted. Um, there's a certain comfort from having a nine to five with a steady paycheck. Mm -hmm. And now you're deciding, I, I guess they, they also say, um, Necessity is the mother of invention. So you were at a place where this was something you had to do. You couldn't stay stuck. But what right, was right. that conversation like with your family? And I know the children were younger then, but you're now telling your wife, listen, I'm going to take this leap of faith. What was that? Well, in the early days, you know, it, it wasn't a sit down conversation where I said, I'm going to take this leap of faith. It was something organic. It was like, she knew that there was this entrepreneurial spirit already because she'd seen the other two businesses. Um, however, she also had the comfort uh, in knowing that there was that day job so that if something happened with this, you know, I, I would still be able to, to fall back on that. Now, this was a case where it was like, we had no choice. We had, we didn't have, we didn't have the ability to, to, to kind of make certain decisions. I had to find something to do. And when I was not getting responses, I had to create something, right? And so uh, I've got kids to take care of, I've got family. And so as that is happening, you know, then as, as some contracts happen, then we have the conversation, okay, are we gonna continue doing this? Yeah, let's continue doing it. But then when things start to go bad, you start to have this other conversation like, hey, are you still going to stay here? <laughs> Do you not see us drowning <laughs> type of thing? And so, you know, at that point, by now, I'm at the place where I'm, I've invested energy and, and mental capital and all sorts of things into a business. So when it starts to fail, do you, do you decide, okay, yep, it was a good run while it lasted and go back to corporate or do you, do you give it another shot? And so, for the sake of my family, the initial choice was, okay, yeah, I've got to go back to corporate and do something. But then that lasted only 10 months, right? Because that corporation that I was working with lost their government contract. And so now I'm back at a place where you have got to figure it out again. And so every time that happens, I, I just look at it as God saying to me, bro, uh, I, I told you, I told you, I need, I need you to trust me. And so, you know, we've had several times where it, it, things were not like perfect. Things were rough and you're kind of wondering what's coming next, you know, but I finally, I had a moment, it was about two years ago where my wife and I were driving and I still remember it clearly. She, the car was quiet. We weren't saying anything to each other. 
you know, we, we weren't mad. It was just, you know, it was just a quiet moment. And she turned to me and she said, you know, babe, you're doing well. Dude, I mean, <laughs> when she said that, I was kind of like, okay, okay. You know, because, she, you know, we've, we've, had, we've had moments, man. We've had moments. And it was that moment where I knew that, that she was with me, like, on this. It wasn't always going to be, like, enjoyable for us, but, but she was with me. You know, and so that's that that's important, man. And you train speakers, you do it for corporations and you do it for individuals as well. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I mean I do it more for corporations, not necessarily speakers per se in corporations. It's 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 organizational leaders who need to be able to present better, who need to be able to deliver messages more influentially. And we we work with them not only on the stand-up mechanics of it, but sometimes it may be the presentation collateral that you need. What are your, what are your slides looking like? Are they distracting from your message? You know, how, how do you structure or frame a, this message? Is it just, are you just chucking data at people? Or is there a story, a business story that you can take them through that's really going to engage and connect with them? So do that with corporations, with individuals, the people that come typically are people that say, oh my gosh, Robert, I've been, I, I want to speak or I want to be heard in my organization. I feel like every time I speak, I'm rambling or I say something and, and nobody pays attention to it, but then somebody else says it and they're like, oh my gosh, that was a great idea. So I, I feel unheard. So can you help me be seen? And, and I've heard you say in, well, I've seen it in the post, but I hear your voice when you post it, mm -hmm. that we all have a speaking voice, but mm -hmm. many of us haven't really heard it yet. Right. Could you explain why you think that is? And, and then how can we find that voice if we haven't tapped into it yet? Wow. Well, it's kind of like, if you think about when you're a child, Children are, they operate without fear, right? They, they don't make life complicated. If you think about when, when a child is looking to take its first steps, the possibility is there for them to fall. The possibility is there for them to hurt themselves. The possibility is there for them to bump into something and, and, and have a moment where, they, where they're not going to... Um, <laughs> where they're not going to do that thing again because, because of, the, of the hurt or the pain involved. But every child who has the ability to use their leg muscles doesn't fall and say, oops, I give up, right? They have this stick to that that allows them to persist until the time that they can walk. So there's some things that are in us from the time that we're young that somehow get blocked out or repressed or suppressed as we get older because we begin, to, uh, we begin to buy into negativity. We begin to buy into fears. We begin to buy into the projections of others. Others who have not been able to do certain things or accomplish certain things, and because they have not, they project that onto other people and you take that and you internalize it and you're saying, well, you know, I'm not worth it. I can't do it. I'm not enough. And we hear those messages in our heads over and over again. So when it comes to a certain place in our life, we all come to the question where, uh, Brenda Burchard says this all the time, 
at the end of life, you ask three questions. Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter? Right? And we all have these questions where we, we wonder, um, did we do what we were supposed to do? And that's why people are always looking for purpose, right? You hear that over and over again. They're, they're, they're looking for purpose. And so we've got this voice, this internal voice that is just yearning to get out, man. It's, there's this internal story that is just, it's just raw, this lion, this, this, it's just got to get out. And it's, it, and, and we continually fight against it because we're fearful, right? But the moment that you decide that you're going to even give it a little bit of a peek, <laughs> it, it makes such a difference. And so you, you look at me and you're like, you can see that I love what I do, right? You see the joy in what I do. And, and that's because there was, you know, there was that day where I was just kind of like, oh my gosh, this, this is great. I absolutely love this. I'm willing to fight for this. Right. And it's, it's, you know, it's not everybody finds it easily, but you've, you've got to open up and allow yourself that, that moment where you're, you know, you're, you're willing to, to make mistakes so that, so that you can push forward. And did you have to reject a certain voice on the way to finding your voice? Because, and I'm going to pretend like I have a research team, but my research team tells me that your dad was a speaker, well-known speaker and a pastor. <laughs> well, when, when you say reject Did you have voice... to reject those comparisons on the way to finding your own voice? Because you could have easily followed that mold well, and just be comfortable in that. Well, I wouldn't have been comfortable in it. I, I, hear you. I, I had to on one hand, reject it. And on the other hand, listen to it because so I'll, I'll give you some of the, 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 the story for me. Some of my signature story is that at the age of one and a half, two years old, my mom, my mom tells me that I started speaking like at seven months, like clearly. And at the age of two, I remember the situations I, I was there. There were people in our house, not, not family, not my immediate family, but you know, if you grow up in the islands, you have helpers or you have people that are around. And I heard, Bobby, you talk too much. Bobby, you ask too many questions. You talk too much. You talk too much. You talk too much. And so I shut up. And so probably from the age of two until the end of high school, for the most part, I was, I was seen as a, as, a, as a shy person or somebody that kind of kept to themselves or really only had a very small select group of friends that, that he hung with. I mean, with my family, people would be at the house, I'd be in my room playing with trains. <laughs> right? so, so that voice that was developed early was, was squelched somehow. And yeah, there were people that said, oh, your dad's a pastor. You're going to be a pastor or you should be a pastor. You should be a speaker. And it wasn't that I fought against it. It was just that I kind of leaned into what I had known naturally for a very long time. And that was to be quiet. That was to be quiet. So after that, you know, finally reaching a point where you know, I started to teach, I started to train, I started to do different things. And it wasn't necessarily by intention that I said, I'm going to speak. But there were just certain things in my life that I was drawn to. I mean, I remember when I was working my first job out of college is in, in the mental health field, I kept driving by this building every day. And I just felt called to this building. Until one day, I decided to stop and go into the, the building. It was a radio station. 
and I spoke to the, to the owner and he listened to me and he said, man, you've got a great instrument. We just need to tweak it and tune it a little bit. And he put me on as an intern with the news anchor. And you know, that, that was a really great experience for me. So I look back, man, why do I keep being drawn to places or things where I'm required to speak if I'm a shy person or if I'm an introvert or I'm a person who would rather be by himself? <laughs> why do I keep being drawn to that stuff? You know, and so those are some of the clues that, that have been in my life. And, and you know, sometimes after a while, you, you kind of listen or you fall in and, and you look back at, at the common thread that's been running through your life and you decide, okay, yep, it's always been there. Let me just, let me just love it. Let me just put my arms around it and embrace it and, and just go all in with it. Good points. And, and I'm aware that you have a number of books. Now I've read a number of your devotions and I, I believe mm -hmm. I was reading just the, the newest one that you put on you version. Yeah, permission, permission to, to shine. shine. Yeah. Yes, I, I was reading that one this week. What encouraged you though? Because I think it's one thing speaking, mm -hmm. verbalizing your story, and we can hear it. But when did you get encouraged to start writing things down and become an author? Now, best-selling author with a few books. When did right. that idea click? Well, I've always been writing. I've always write, and as I said, I was in my room. And one of the things that I did when I was in my room was write. I wrote, I wrote journals, I wrote poems, I wrote poetry. My mom would find these little napkins around the house with stuff that I'd written on it. I mean, I would, I'd write a lot of stuff. I, I, you know, I wrote little, little things that I said were books. I wrote, I, I had competitions with my brother when we were young to make comic books, um, you know. And then, of course, later on music kind of became the outlet that, that I had. And, and as that outlet grew, as I started to experience some of the challenges of adulthood and I leaned into those moments of isolation through music, I began to write music. And so the writing came full circle and now the poetry had, had uh, musical notes attached to it. Right. And so the writing has, has always been there. And then, you know, later on, I just decided that when I was going through certain processes with people, I started a personal development group in 2012, 2012 at, at, the, at the encouragement of one of my coaches. And as I was going through that process, it, the, the, this group it was a, a habit forming group, 28 days group. And I just decided to write down the stuff that we were doing and then add encouragement to it. I was shooting these videos every day and I just put the verbalized those and I put those in the book and a book came out of that. And that was my second book. Uh, and you know, then I wrote a leadership book after that. And we just finished a men's devotional earlier this year. There's about three or four other book projects that I've got in my Evernote and a couple that are pretty close to completion. I've got one that we're just waiting for the cover to be finished up. Find your voice. That'll be out very shortly. And speaking of you version, we got, we just did the permission to shine. We've got a new one coming out at the beginning of July called Navigating the Imposter. So yeah, it's always been there, man. What has always piqued my interest is seeing that self-directing individuals, individuals like yourself that have numerous projects going on at the same time, actually have mentors. Mm -hmm. That is... You. That is something that's curious for me. 
but mm -hmm. I, 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 I imagine that that's led to some of your success with some of the projects you've had. You've, yeah, had, you a, know, you've had mentors. You, you have to. I mean, it's, you don't know, you can't see your own blind spots, you know, um, and you don't know what you don't know. And there are people who have gone before you. And, you know, I approach everything from a spiritual perspective. And the Bible says nothing new under the sun, right? So you kind of thinking that you're, you're trying to figure out this journey in life on your own. And there are people that have done the same, almost identical journey before you. The only difference is that it was them on the journey instead of you, right? And so you've got to ask people, you know, it takes a village. No man is an island. You've, all of these different quotations, you know, the African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others. You got to find a community in order to create success. Success is not an individual sport. It's not. You, you've really got to find mentors. You've got to find coaches. You've got to find um, accountability. You've got to find masterminds. You've, you've got to connect with, with humanity, with people in order to really make impact and, and create what you want. We'll return to our conversation with RK3 after a short word from one of our sponsors. So for someone who is listening, who has a business idea or even a business plan, mm -hmm you've indicated that the blind spots are a real thing that Always. people are not aware of. And you may have an idea that sounds really good, but sometimes the convergence between providing for your family, making it marketable and having mm -hmm. people pay for it. Yeah. A business coach could be the difference maker in all that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the thing is they may not make a difference in the way that you expect. So my very first business coach, I hired him and listen, that was a bone of contention between myself and my wife, right? Because I paid this dude a lot of money. It was like $18,000 for a year, right? And my expectation was that this guy was going to come in and just cause my business to shoot up to the moon within the space of 12 months. And my business actually went in the opposite direction and collapsed. Right. However, the difference that he made, not in my business, but in me personally, the difference that he made in my mindset, the difference that he made in my perspective and the way that I operated and, and, and how I looked at life as a whole. I mean, before I was with this business coach, I really wasn't reading a lot of like personal development. I wasn't reading a lot of materials. I read, I read magazines. <laughs> right. But I wasn't really taking in book. And, and one of the things that he said to me, I never forget. He said, leaders are readers. Right. And, and he would, he would make me read these books and it just made such a pivotal difference. I mean, I, 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 I'm still in touch with them now. You know, if something big happens in my business. I'll reach out and be like, Hey coach, guess what? You know, so so you've got to have, you've got to connect with somebody who can, at the very minimum, keep you accountable to certain things and allow you to see life and see yourself differently than how you would if you, you were just in your head all the time. Awesome. You tell a story about, in, in, and it, this is in light of 
where we are now as a country with some of the challenges we have mm -hmm. with social justice not being realized for many people and just our racial issues. You tell a story about an early incident um, with your dad and him being pulled over and mistreated. And not only was the story sobering and poignant, but you, you mentioned, and I was like, how did Bobby capture this emotion? I think that's what had me so sad when I listened to the story. And, and the story has redeeming qualities, but you mentioned the drive home mm -hmm. with the static from the radio. Mm. Did you remember having that note somewhere? <laughs> no. Like you drew on the static from the radio and that was so significant to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, and we have uh, unfortunately a few of those stories. Um, but this one was, this was South Carolina. We were, we, we would, when we would go on vacation, you know, back in the day, we don't have a lot of money to fly. So, so we drove and we were, we were coming back from Florida and it was late at night. My dad was a little bit tired and he pulled off at an exit to sleep a little bit and get some gas. And he got back on the highway. And as soon as we got on the highway, we were pulled over and uh, the cop came to the car and he says that he'd been following us for about a mile and a half or two miles. And my dad's like, we just got on the highway literally 30 seconds ago. <laughs> and so, you know, long story short, it ends up with my dad being pulled out of the car. Another cop comes. My mom is trying to get out the car on the other side and the cop slams the door and nearly slams my mom's fingers in the door. And uh, my dad's frisked and he's pushed up against the trunk of the car and, and all of this. And, and we still don't know why we've been pulled over at this point. And so, you know, I, I see as my dad is like pushed up against the trunk of the car and he's being frisked, I see his eyes looking and, and his eyes are watering and the three boys are sitting in the back seat and we're looking through the back window at this. And he's, he's hurt. He's angry. He's embarrassed. He's, he's, he doesn't know he's confused. He doesn't know why his world is like this and why his world is happening like this in front of his boys, right? Three young impressionable kids who, who don't have the capacity to understand the, 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 uh, the crazy racist nature of, of, of our world at this point. And so he get you know, he gets back in the car after all of this and thank God, nothing, nothing tragic happened, gets back in the car and, you know, he's quiet because he doesn't know what to say. And as we drive, you know, when you're driving between states, the, the, the radio, uh, the distortion comes because the, uh, because the, 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 the signal becomes weak as you, as you transition between states. And typically when that happens, um, as we're driving, we switch and we find a different station. But this time, because the car was quiet, because the emotions were still raw, the static just just stayed there and we just listened to the distortion for miles sobering man and um you captured it so well and i i am so inspired by you because notwithstanding some of what you probably experienced and saw 
you give light to so many people who are going through so many different things. Yeah. I'd like you, Bob, to tell us where we can find uh, your material. I know you have the books. I heard about another book, which I didn't hear about on her, our chat, but I don't know how new that one is, but I yeah. feel bad because I don't have it yet. It starts with the, finding. Oh, finding your voice. So that one's not fully out yet. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay so, okay. so yeah, that's not fully out yet. We just, with the formatting's done, we're just kind of waiting for the, I did pre-release a version of it several months ago, but, and it was only a, uh, it was only a digital version, but we redid some things, sent it back to editing and, and did, did a few things with it. So that'll be out shortly, but it's, it's, it's not fully out yet. The last one that's come out was, was that the men's devotional equipping the warrior. And that came out in January. And for website info, for those who are looking for uh, presenters, some of my corporate clients who are listening. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can find, man, I try to make it easy. I'm Robert Kennedy 3 everywhere. RobertKennedy3.com is my website. I'm on Instagram, Robert Kennedy 3. You can look me up, Robert Kennedy 3 on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Facebook. I'm trying to keep it consistent, man. Keep it easy. And last but not least, for our listeners who are in that season where all they're hearing is static, they don't know which way to turn, Mm. they're looking for some confirmation as to what should be done in this season. Just a word of inspiration or encouragement for those listeners. Wow. Well, you, you might be in that season where you're not hearing anything but static. And it might be discomforting. It might be disconcerting because you're looking to hear something clear. Well, what I would want to say to those people is get comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Know that the, 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 the place or the journey or the way through the static is, is not something that is going to be easy but you will, you will be able to look back in a little while and see the joy or see the reason in the static. Steve Jobs had this great quote at, at his Stanford University commencement where he said, you can't connect the dots going forward. You can only look back and connect the dots, right? You can only turn around and make sense of the different way, waypoints. You can't see them going forward. It, you know, it, if, if you could, it wouldn't really be a journey. <laughs> right it would be it would be a priest a prescribed trip or something like that i don't even know what it would be but just just have faith have faith and and really lean into people lean into people do not try to make the journey on your on your own do not isolate yourself in the journey especially when you're hearing the static look for other people find out what they're hearing because they might not be hearing static they might be hearing a message in the noise that can encourage you. Awesome, Robert. Thank you so much for spending time with the What A Word podcast. We have so many great takeaways. Thank you for being an inspiration and we look forward to seeing you know, the journey. Uh, yes, thank sir. you so much for your transparency as well and for being a guest on the What A Word podcast. It's been awesome being here, brother. Thank you. When I look at people, I always ask the question, I say, man, tell me what Nike stands for. They said, oh, Ink, that's easy, just do it. 
I said, tell me what Adidas stands for. Oh, ain't that easy, man. Impossible is nothing. I said, now tell me what you stand for. When people look at you, do they think excuses? When people look at you, do they think victory? When people look at you, do they think that's a person that's going to give me everything they got, not on some days, but on every day, and it's not going to be predicated upon if I feel like it, because I think we all know if we only worked on the days when we felt like it, none of us would get much accomplished. I'm talking about the real level of commitment, not the commitment that falls in line if everything goes right. I'm speaking of the commitment that says, I am going to stay true to what I said I would do long after the mood that I've set it in his life. See, most people, ladies and gentlemen, are stoppable. Most people, all you have to do is tell them no. All you have to do is make it inconvenient for them. All you have to do is make it difficult for them and they're stuck. See, when you go to get your goal, don't think that all you have to do is think positive and everything's going to work out okie-dokie for you. When you go to get your goal, you are sending a telegram to Murphy's Law to visit you personally. You thought you was just going to have a dream and a goal, and you were just going to wake up and just walk into the sunset. You're like, dream, boom. It don't work like that. You have a dream, and then life pumps you. Life pumps you and say, do you really want this? You're going to lose friends. Do you really want this? Do you really want this? Cousins going to abandon you. People that you used to be like this with going to think you bougie and don't want to deal with you. It's a part of it, but I paid too much. If I was going to quit, I would have quit in the abandoned building when I wanted to commit suicide and take my life. I should have quit when I heard my voice say, your mama don't want you. Your daddy don't want you. Take your life. I got through that. So why am I going to quit over F on a grave? Come on. And so I'm telling y'all, you have come too far to quit now. You have invested too much to quit now. You have lost too much to quit now. Don't cry about it. Don't whine about it. Get a reward for your pain. And so by being committed to everything that I started, I finished it. It built a certain type of spirit. It built a certain type of mentality. It built a certain type of individual. And so now I couldn't quit even if I wanted to. I couldn't stop even if I wanted to. I had too much sweat equity in my life and everything that I was doing. You're too close to quit now. You gotta take another lap. You gotta take another lap. Cause you never know, this might be the one. You can't stop because you're tired. You can't stop because you got your feelings hurt. You got to take another lap. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking. You're going to make it. You're going to do it. You got an unstoppable fire. Come on, take another lap. Don't you stop. Don't stop walking.